Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. Welcome to Backroom Beauty Talks. My name is Misty Jane and I am a money coach for hairstylists. I help self-motivated stylists get their financial shit together, creating healthy relationships with money, opening up more options for the future, and eliminating that paycheck to paycheck life. I created Backroom Beauty Talks because I wanted to bring real, raw, and unedited conversations to you, uplifting the beauty industry one stylist at a time. Hey there, friends. Welcome back. So today I have another episode from my friend Shelby Betancourt's podcast, The Healthy Wealthy Hairstylist. If you do not subscribe to her podcast, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, Great conversations um, that definitely can help you excel in your career as well in your life uh, when it comes to, uh, gosh, health, fitness, all of the things. Shelby's got it all covered over there. So I highly recommend you going and subscribing to the Healthy Wealthy Hairstylist. Now, today's conversation, mm, it is a good one. So we talked about what it is like to be the breadwinner in your relationship. I love this conversation because we dive into a lot of different factors when it comes to making more money than your significant other. And it's a conversation that is not had enough in the industry. And I think that it needs to be had more often because a lot of times there are a lot of women in the hair industry that make more than their male significant others. And this actually can be a quite a triggering thing um, for the significant other. So great topic. Um, We dive into boundaries, the money factor, you know, value, uh, what somebody values over the other person, all of the things. So please, please, please enjoy. And I also want to add a quick reminder that my free training of three steps to getting your financial shit together is still available. You can get instant access by clicking the link in the show notes or the link in my bio on my Instagram. We dive into three key points, how to create awareness around where your money is going so you can keep more inside your pocket, how to pinpoint and deal with your personal spending triggers, and how to create a roadmap to get you from where you are currently to where you want to be in the future. This will not be available much longer. Get it while you can. You literally just give me your email address and you have instant access to the training immediately. So grab the training, enjoy the podcast, 
And that's all. Enjoy. <laughs> hello, hello, and welcome back to the Healthy Wealthy Stylist podcast. So today I am joined with my friend, Misty Jane. She is a money coach for hairstylists. She basically helps hairstylists get their financial shit together. And I am so excited to have her here. Um, I normally have her on here with our friends, Jess Taylor and Ash Amardo, but they are busy today. So we are going to do a episode with just the two of us. And um, the topic that we chose for today was what it's like or how to go about being the breadwinner in your house. And I think that this is really important because um, in my coaching, and I'm sure, I mean, in, I mean, Misty, she does all of her coaching around <laughs> money, but what I found in my coaching is that we do talk about relationships and we talk about being the breadwinner or sometimes like relying on our spouse to be the breadwinner while we're building our careers. So I think that this is so aligned with, just talking to Misty, it was just meant to be for her to be on the podcast solo with me. Um, before we get started, I do want to remind you of the fee. Because this is a this is a referral-based podcast, if you learn something, you got something out of it, please refer this to a like-minded stylist or friend who you think would benefit from this. Like in the salon, the best way to spread the word and grow your business is through word of mouth. So do the same with the podcast and we will appreciate it. So Misty Jane, what's hey. going on? <laughs> what's going on? I'm excited about this topic. Um, I've been on both ends of the spectrum, and you know, I think communication in general around money with your significant other is extremely important. And this is like a huge aspect of it that I think is kind of overlooked or just not talked about at all. I agree. I think that um, you know, at growing in the salon, it's it's a huge thing on your relationship, especially if you've, you know, worked a nine to five or you worked something that was a little more quote unquote steady. And then you go into either like an hourly uh, commission base. Like I straight up from hair school and when I moved to Florida and I restarted like four different times, I was always a commission based. So it was always like, I'm not really sure how much I'm going to get paid. It's going to be like, a little, <laughs> like my first paycheck when I moved here to Miami was $37 after two weeks. Oh, so in like, Miami, <laughs> in Miami. Yeah. Like <laughs> that was two weeks pay. Like it didn't even like gas wasn't even covered in that. So there were times I had to adjust like how I was in my relationship and be less of the breadwinner. And then how my relationship changed as I became more of a breadwinner and like the different roles and what was like responsible in the household. And I feel like it's always that like ebb and flow of like, hey, I need to focus on work. Like I'm the one who's making more money. So I need these certain things done at home in order for me to like, you know, feel more relaxed at work. Like I shouldn't be worrying about the dishes and the laundry if I'm the breadwinner. And when you're not doing anything at home or vice versa, I felt like when I wasn't the breadwinner, I had to like pick up some things. So Missy, let's start out with your situation. Um, let's talk about what was it like when you were the breadwinner, like talking, did you have like any issues with like your, you and your husband have been together for a very long time. So were there any like types of conversations you had to have with him? 
Yeah. Well, so it's really interesting because when I was in a commission salon and this is pre getting my financial shit together. Okay. This was, I was making the most money when we were spending like crazy and just, you know, always felt broke. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really notice a difference. Like my husband and I are really good communicators in general, our money relationship, we had, we healed together, which is great. Um, but what happened and what I found super interesting is once we did get our financial shit together, the money started coming in. So my husband kind of went from not making as much as me being hourly in a job that's kind of seasonal. I mean, there was some winters where he was bringing in $300 for two weeks you know, and we had a kid and owned a home. Well, maybe we didn't have a kid at that point, but we, you know, like, so, um, then when we got our financial shit together, the money started coming in and we knew what to do with it. And, and it's kind of crazy how I watched him go from hourly to salary. He got like just promotion after promotion at his job. And it started kind of going even. So we both were making the same amount, but what happened was he changed in such an interesting way to me, not in a bad way, but his confidence grew, right? Mm -hmm. Like he walked differently. He talked about spending money differently. Our money conversations were different because I think that we forget, especially men, like they really thrive on providing for their families. Like, and I did not notice that he felt maybe more, I don't know, maybe... I don't want to say insecure, but like felt differently until I saw the switch because Mm -hmm. I'd always known the other way around. So that was super interesting to me. So I think even, you know, why we're having this conversation, we have to remember that like money affects us in so many different ways that we don't even realize, like, like you, like it's affecting you right now. You don't even know yet. You know what I mean? Like, and so that was a super interesting shift. And then now we're in a place where I decided to stop my full-time great money career to start a brand new career. So it went from I'm the breadwinner to we're equal to he's the breadwinner. Mm. And it has just been such an interesting dynamic. And as far as communication, I'm very, very lucky. You know, my husband and I, when we did decide to get our shit together, we combined all of our money. So like he's never looked at like our bank account as his money and not my money and same. So like it's so, but we talk about it. We communicate. If I'm going to buy something over like, like a couple hundred dollars, I'm going to say something to him or we're going to talk about it, you know, and it's, it, it feels like it's ours rather than, you know, I'm spending his money why I'm not making as much money. But I feel the shift in myself internally. So I think that the emotional aspect of it is a really important thing to think about um, in having this conversation, you know, especially like the masculine and feminine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like for in any other relationship I've been in, like Josh wasn't with me through my transition of like going from, I make a lot of money to, I make no money. Um, With that being said, I you know, moved across the country. I don't, I didn't, I was restarting. So he wasn't with me during that point. When we met, I had already been at like the peak of the salon I was working at. Like I was the manager of the salon. Um, I had worked there for three and a half years. And from one day to the next, 
I like I was to in his eyes, I was success, a successful hairstylist in Miami. And then from one day to the next, I left that salon due to reasons. Um, and I was jobless and <laughs> I was like, shit, man. Like I ended up working at another salon 10 miles South of the salon I was at. And I restarted my clientele. I didn't have the chance to, you know, um, warn my clients I was leaving. It was, it was one of those things that I was no longer welcomed at that salon due to personal reasons, whatever, whatever. And I had to restart. So the conversation had to happen where I was like, good thing I have savings, but I need your help. And I, I don't know when I'm going to be making steady income because this next job is commission-based. I don't know who's going to follow me. I wasn't that popular on Instagram. I mean, not that I am now, but I hadn't been focusing a lot of my Instagram on my clients because this is 2015 when this happened. So that was when I had to make the switch of like, oh shit, I got to use my Instagram as a way to get my clients in where before that I was so like dependent on the salon because I had such a good reputation there. I had been there for three and a half years. I like, you know, you looked up that salon. I was number one on Yelp. It was like, ask for Shelby, ask for Shelby. And then I'm going to like 10 miles South. And it's like, no one knows me here. Like, so um, having, I think that like the main thing is, I mean, we're both talking about like when you go from like the peak to not having that conversation of like who needs help and where, I think that's important. But I've, um, when I've coached um, some stylists, what's, what's interesting that comes up is when they are making money and the husband, like, I mean, let, let's face it, we don't work nine to fives. So it's like, my last client can be at three o'clock and I'm supposed to leave at six, but that doesn't always happen. So how do we communicate like childcare? How do we communicate? Like it, it's date night. I got to like try to get out at a certain time. Um, and like when you are making more money, it's so easy to be like, oh yeah, I'll take, I'll do the extra haircut. I know it's going to take me an extra hour and I'm supposed to leave at six, but now I'm going to leave at seven because I'm going to take that e quote unquote easy money. And having our spouse understand that. I think that comes down to boundaries though. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I think it comes down to, you know, one in that situation, do you want to take that haircut or do you feel like you have to take that haircut? Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, if you want to take the haircut, Hey, you know, communication comes next, right? Like, Hey, like I, I'm going to go ahead. I, I love it doesn't even have to be about the money necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, cause I think that if we're constantly like adding to our schedule and taking this person that maybe we don't want, but we're thinking about the money, that's when we're in the scarcity mindset. And even if you're making a lot of money, you can still be there, right? Like you can be in this idea that like, I have to keep making, keep making, keep making because one day it's all going to disappear, you know? So I think thinking about like, what do you value right now? Like, do you value fitting these people in because you want to, or do you value being there for that date night? Mm. Because I think that once you figure out truly what it is that you value in your life and what it is that you want to prioritize, that's when like, ev you know, you're going to attract whatever it is that you want more of. So if you want more time with your spouse, you know, you want more time with your family, you start prioritizing that and not prioritizing the money, mm. that's going to be fine. 
Like we're scrappy. I say this to my clients all the time. Like, like you're not going to end up on the streets because you didn't take a haircut and you didn't, you went on a date night with your husband. You know what I mean? Like you'll figure your shit out. So I think that, I think it's important to know what you value and know what your spouse values, Mm. you know, because I think that's a big thing too, is like a lot of times, like I know what I want and maybe it doesn't align with giving him what he wants. So like if I went to him and said, Hey, I want to stop doing hair and I want to become a full-time coach. And he was like, well, but we've been saving this money to be able to do this thing. We'll use the pool for example, because I'm we really do want a pool. <laughs> well, now, you know, we're not, we're going to have to pause getting a pool for a couple years. You know, like if that truly upsets him, we have to reassess. Okay. Maybe yeah. I can work part-time, you know, like it can't just be all about one person or the other person. Um, and, and money is just the, the vehicle that gets you to that point, you know? So, so I think that it comes down to the values that you have with your significant other and communicating them to each other. Yeah. I love that you say that. Um, It's so true because there came a point where like Josh and I were both very busy. We both have more than just our, you know, nine to five. I'm going to call the salon my nine to five. Um, I have my nine to five. I'm a salon owner. I'm a coach. So it's like many different things. And he is in the same boat. So he came to me and he's like, hey, we need date night. Like we need a time where we date at least once a week. There's no excuses, like no canceling it. And that was the first time in my career that I had to commit to leaving at a certain time because that was like that. I can't, I want this. I want date night. I want the relationship because I know that if I'm bettering my relationship, I show up to work better. I know that like, if I can have the support of like him and I have this time to talk to him, this time to connect with him, I'm going to be better all around. Like he's going to be more understanding on the other nights when I do work late or like the other times that I'm like, Hey, I'm going to work, you know, I'm going to work on this, you know, this client who I normally, like, I'm going to stay later because I need to, I need to like, I want to buy these shoes and <laughs> they're expensive and I would rather just take this extra client to get those shoes that I want or whatever. Right. So I, I love that you say that with the value because it is, it's about aligning what, what, values and then creating, um, boundaries around it. It's my boundary is I don't work past six o'clock on a Wednesday like that. Like I am scheduled to leave at five, but I give myself that grace period of like that extra hour in case something happens. Someone runs late, the color takes longer, whatever. But I know that like on my schedule, I'm supposed to leave at five. I can't work later than six just because it's day night. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, I think sitting down with your partner and figuring that out is so important, Mm. you know, and, and just again, because like, so my husband, you know, we've been together a long time. We have a son, like he knows, like, he'll be like, what time are you getting off tonight? And I'll be like, probably seven. He knows what that means. He knows that that could be six 30 and that could be seven 45. You know what I mean? Like at this point, like he just gets it. Um, so Yeah. I don't know. It just comes down to communicating and, and, and that can go in so many aspects, work, money, everything, you know? And, and I think, so let's switch this a little bit, you know, going back to like having someone who makes less and having someone who makes more and, and whether that be something that's how it is all the time, or whether it's something that has fluctuated in your relationship, you know, for my husband and I, now I have recently realized that money for me was a validation. 
So because I'm in a new business, the sa- I'm not making the same money that I was making in my, in my 18 year career behind the chair, mm-hmm. you know? And so what I was realizing is that I wasn't getting that same validation that I was used to in the form of money, but that, but validation is validation, right? Like, I mean, that can be a pat on the back and can be a hug. It can be a post on Instagram that someone loves their hair or coaching or whatever, and it can be money. And so for me, it's like when I'm in that funk of being feeling less validated because I'm not making as much money, because I'm not in the salon getting face-to-face validation, I need more validation. So for him, that's a little bit more, hey, I love you. Hey, you're beautiful today. Hey, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So like even again, there's this side that we don't even realize, you know, like it took me a year to realize that I literally just had this epiphany this week, by the way. (laughs) Um, You know, so I, I think it can come down to that too. And once you, once you start being aware of things that like, that's when everything changes because at the end of the day, money is a piece of fucking paper. Yep. It's a piece of paper that we put value on Mm -hmm. and everyone puts a different value on what it means to bring it in, to have it, to save it, to spend it, whatever. And it's up to us to figure out why we feel that way about this thing and how it affects us in every aspect of our life. Because it's something that we deal with in every aspect. You deal with it at work. You deal with it in your personal life. You deal with it with your significant other. You're going to deal with it with your kid. You're going to deal with it literally in every single aspect of your life. and nobody talks about it. Mm, So true. (laughs) So true. Yeah. And even like, so this is going to, I'm going to pivot this. Um, So Josh does like trading. So like day trading stocks, all that kind of stuff. And he is now learning how to not associate money with, with time. Like just because you sit at a computer for 12 hours and you don't make anything doesn't mean that you made nothing that day. You can make uh, you know, I've seen him make two grand in 30 minutes yeah. and, but he sat there for like 12 hours to make that two grand that he made in 20 minutes. So now he's like psychologically trained, like, and to me, I've always worked that way. I've always worked commission. So it's never been, I make this per hour. And I think it's interesting that now in the like hair world, we're starting to pivot our pricing to per hour. So we're like making it, it, it's almost like you're making that relationship again of per hour, which I, I think that we need as stylists, as a form of knowing like, Hey, if you're taking longer to do a certain service, you can't charge the same, but it also does like put you in that mindset of like, I am trading time for money mm-hmm. rather than when you're working commission and you're like, no, I'm trading my services for money. Yes. It's so true. And let me tell you again, like, that's another thing is like when you are used to physically doing something and then someone hands you money, mm-hmm. not doing that anymore is a whole nother mind fuck. Mm. You know, and like even like so having courses, right? Like somebody purchases your course. And if you, I don't know if you do like a payment plan or whatever, like, so I have a payment plan on mine. So if when somebody purchases my course for three months, I get, the money for that course, right? I could be sitting on the couch watching a movie with my son and my phone pings that I received money. Do you know how much of a mind fuck that is? Mm. Because it is literally this like, am I worthy of this? I'm doing nothing. 
Yeah. But you for completely forget that you spent a year creating something, you know, yeah. because you're so used to the time for money. And it is, it's a wild, it's a wild thing. It's just a crazy, again, it, it's all about your value and your perspective on the dollar. And it, it's, it, and I think that the more, you know, I talk about my money story a lot, um, but I also am realizing that you are, your money blocks are always going to be there in a, a certain way, but they're going to change as your life changes, you know, because like even that right there is like, well, I'm not doing anything. I don't deserve that money. That's not true. You know, that's not true at all. I did something, you know, it's helping people. Like it's a thing. So yeah. it's like a very interesting, it's interesting you brought that up because that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah. It like, and it can affect like your own self-esteem. Like if <laughs> I, I like that you say that you didn't feel like it was worthy of it because we do forget about all the things that we did to lead up to that. Mm -hmm. Um, and Especially when you're used to using your hands for a business. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're just used to walking in. That's, that was something else recently I talked to my husband about. I was like, I feel weird that I'm making money and I don't have something people can see. You know, like I, I don't have a place somebody can walk into or like, you know, my family doesn't know what the fuck I do for a living. They don't understand. You know what I mean? So it just seems like I'm home all the time doing nothing. <laughs> like, you know, so it's like a weird mindset shift when you're not walking into a space and doing something with your hands and then receiving money. Mm. It also makes me think about like when we're doing a price increase and we're like, well, I, I've done this and it's so silly. It's like, oh, well, if my haircut's going to go from $85 to $100, I'm going to throw in a deep conditioner. And it's like, no, I don't need to throw in extra product in order to justify that increased price because what they are paying for is my knowledge, my, you know, the communication that I have, the fact that I'm going to cut the right amount of hair and it's going to enhance them. Yes, maybe it's the same haircut that they got last time, but how can I like give more value to it without using more things that cost money? So what is that? How do I show up better? Like, and I, that's where the health ties into it because it's like, if my clients see that I'm happier and I'm healthier and I'm doing things and I'm growing in my own personal life, like whether it's like being smarter, having a better relationship with like food, a better relationship with money, um, a better relationship with my spouse, I'm just overall like better. Yeah. My value went up. And it another side of it too is when, when you raise your prices, you usually lose a few clients and you're opening up more time for those clients that stay with you. Yeah. So right there, you're adding value because you're a little bit more available than you were when your prices were cheaper. I think people forget that aspect of it too. Mm, yeah. Because as a hairstylist, like we can all think like, oh, well, my haircut's more expensive, but I'm not doing anything different. Yes, you are. Yeah. It's those things that you're not physically doing. It's not, you know, I especially now with like everything, like I think every educator is talking about how we all need to raise our prices, but I think our industry is doing a good job at like tapping in psychologically why we need to, like why it's okay to raise your prices. Cause it is hard to have the conversation over and over again with the same clients. Like, Hey, I'm going up again and again and again. And it comes to a point where I've heard educators be like, oh, well, when I go up in prices, I change my retail. I like, you know, move things around in the salon. And I'm like, 
But is that like, is that necessary? Because I have a reason behind that. Like to, to make show it more value. Like something's different. Yeah. To show more value. And I'm like, I haven't changed my retail in the past three and a half years because I love the, like I've tried getting different products and I don't love them. Right. Um, so I'm like, I would never suggest someone to do that in their salon. Oh, change up your retail. Well, what if you're a commission-based stylist and you don't have control of that? Yeah. Like, I mean, the value is like, what about your personality? Can you change? Like, have you read books? Have you had, like, are you having better conversations with your clients? Are your clients leaving, feeling more enlightened and and, uh, feeling better about themselves? That's the value and the price increase. No one cares. Like, it's not the retail on the shelf. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. I think, well, I think we always try to justify our changes of anything in our life. And I, I, I struggle with that. Like people say doing things like that. <laughs> Cause I'm like, you don't have to justify anything. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't walk into target and, and, you know, I go up to the manager and say, Hey, why is this an extra dollar? Like it just is, it is what it yeah. is, you know? And I know that we are in a different kind of business. Like I hate like comparing it to like retail and things, you know, big box stores. Cause I know that, you know, we're definitely a more personal, um, service. So I totally get that. But like, I had, this is a little bit off of the money subject, but, um, still in the salon subject, I had one of my one-on-one clients, she wanted to take a day off or a night off or something. She wanted to change her schedule and she lives at home with her mom. She was young, um, you know, didn't have kids, no significant other, And she started explaining to me that she doesn't, she's not going to do it because she has no reason to, she doesn't have to be home to pick up her kid, blah, 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 whatever. And I looked at her and I was like, wait, no, like you don't have to justify you wanting to work less. Like you don't need a child at home. Like you don't Mm -hmm. need a reason. You know what I mean? Like, like that doesn't No. Like if you're tired and you're burnt out, that is enough of a reason and you don't need to explain it. And you don't, there, there doesn't need to be a reason. Yeah. Because it's better for you. Your mental health needs it. The end of story. And you don't have to explain that to your clients. Yeah. You know, clients half the time don't even really want to know anyway. You know, they just want to know, Hey, can I, can you take me on Saturday? Nope. Sorry. I'm unavailable. Can you come in on Friday? End of story. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm supposed to go with my girlfriend on Saturday. So I probably can't, you know what I mean? Like, no. Nope, not available next. <laughs> yeah, solve my problem. That that's yes. basically what they want. Clients want to know like when can I come see you? When are you available? I like in this 2 years ago, um I no last year I stopped working evenings. Like I was like I'm going to like be out of the door at 6:30. So that means because I'm a like a highlight and balayage specialist my last appointment is three, three thirty. I used to all, I used to have a lot of clients who I would start their highlights at six thirty at night. So all of those clients, it wasn't like, they were like, Hey, can you take me at five o'clock? No, I can't. I can take you at three. And if they're like, well, three o'clock doesn't work out for me. Okay. Well, I have Saturday at this time. Yep. Exactly. And 90% of my clients come to that three o'clock appointment. Even though they work till five, like, I mean, the pandemic definitely helped with like working from home, but when it comes down to your clients and when, like, if you need to take that like personal time off, like I was like, I'm just, I'm mentally, I don't want to work from here past six 30. It just doesn't do it for me. I'm not showing up the way that I want to. I didn't have to explain it to them. I'm just, Hey, I'm no longer working that late. My last appointment is three o'clock. And they're like, all right, I'll make it work. Like, 
fuck it. <laughs> and I think when you fully understand what, what you want out of your life, like kind of again, but tying back the value, like, like you don't feel like you have to explain it. We feel like we have to explain things when we're not confident in our decision. When we want somebody to, you know, we feel like somebody's going to misunderstand us. Right. But when we truly know what we want and we just kind of don't care what other people think about that thing, we don't have to over-explain. Like I have a huge problem with over-explaining. That's actually a topic I talk about often too, um, because it lacks confidence and you are going to get stepped on. You are going to, clients are going to make you feel, you know, like you're not accommodating them or whatever. If you do not have confidence in how you're running your business, it's just not going to happen. Um, so again, like you said, like how you worded that, it's like, perfect. This it's a matter of fact. You know, there's not that, that sway and well, maybe, oh, let me look, maybe I can do this. No, this is what I have. You take it or leave it. And if you don't, and and I never, and let me just say this to the listeners. I never say it like this. Yes, exactly. I think sometimes boundaries, people think you have to be mean to hold boundaries. No, I'm just talking to the stylist right now. I would never in a million years talk to my client like this. Um, But you know, and if, if how I work doesn't work for you, I can can recommend you to somebody who can accommodate you better, you know? And I think that there's just, you have to have the confidence in, in what you're doing and how you're doing it, you know, and it, it goes a long way. So how would you say it? I'm your client right now. Misty, I want a full head of highlights at six o'clock on Friday. I don't have that available. Are you able to come in Friday at two? You know, I really want an evening appointment. Like what can you do in the evenings? I actually do not work evenings anymore. Um, but I do have a couple stylists that I can totally refer if my schedule doesn't work for you. So what would be the latest appointment I can come in? Let's see. I have Tuesday at three 30. Mm, okay. I can make that work. Done. See, like exactly. you, <laughs> you not only like with that being said, I, as a client, this was totally like, we did not plan this, but I, as a client felt like, okay, so my options aren't the five o'clock or six o'clock, whatever I said. She did tell me that if I wanted what I wanted, I could go see someone else in a nice way. She wasn't like, well, fuck you, Shelby. You can't, mm-hmm. I'm not working that late. And then she gave me a different day at like a kind of later time that was still within her boundaries. Mm-hmm. I felt taken and care of. Like I would even add in there just to cover your ass because sometimes those are the clients that are going to be the quickest to cancel or last minute. You know, I would even add at the end of that is like, hey, if this ends up not working for you, please let me know as soon as possible. I do have a cancellation policy and it's 48 hours prior, but this is a bigger appointment. So I would really appreciate like a week prior, like if you have to cancel just to let me know. And if not, it's going to be a 50% fee. You know what I mean? Like I even would add that in there because sometimes the ones who don't get what they want are the ones who are going to shift things around a little bit easier. Um, But again, nice way. And when they do have to cancel, they're going to be the first ones that go, I am so sorry, please charge me. Yeah. You know, because you told them, you told them what's going to happen and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, And that's like such a great way to put in your policies there because we all think that because we, we say that we have a policy that when we actually have to enforce it, we're like, Oh, what the fuck? Like, but it's like, if you're not constantly reminding your clients of the policy, then of course you're going to feel weird about enforcing it. Cause you're like, I sent an email three years ago about this policy. I've had, you know, Susie for the past like 10 years now I have to enforce it. It's like, 
no, no, no. If Susie always knew that you had the cancellation, Susie will be the first one. Usually not. I've had clients who are like, I know you have a cancellation fee. Just charge me the cancellation. I understand totally my fault. Yeah. And, or like, I mean, I'm not the one who communicates with my clients. Um, I have my, I have Megan, my sister, who's also my assistant who does that for me, but she will nicely be like, Hey, like we do. And she says that when she's confirming, if you need to cancel, we do have a 24 hour cancellation notice, blah, 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 all of that kind of stuff. So then it's constantly being reminded, but I do like that in the clients when you are changing your schedule or you're not offering a certain time that they want to like nicely throw it in there. Yeah. Like. I tell my clients too, like, um, like especially ones recently, a lot of them are implementing the, the policies that they've had for a mm-hmm. long time. And you know, the, the couple of things, first of all, your clients don't read everything. Your clients aren't reading your email. Your clients aren't reading your website. Your clients aren't even half the time reading your Instagram highlights. So, you know, well, it's in my highlights. Well, they're not, they didn't, they don't know that, you know? So I always say like, okay, they're everyone's next appointment. I don't care if it is Dana who has never missed an appointment for 20 years, you're going to tell everybody. Hey, just so you know, cancellations have been crazy lately. Um, I am Im- implementing a policy. Just want to make sure everyone is aware. You know what I mean? And say the policy to everybody. Don't. And you could even say, Dana, I know that you never do this to me, but I'm just covering my bases and letting everyone know. You know what I mean? Like, like just always say it. And coming out of your mouth is so much better. I think anyway, I think that's another trust builder, um, which is huge, but I feel like we got way off topic, but this is important. (laughs) It is important. I think that this topic is going to be more about money than (laughs) being the breadwinner. (laughs) No, I totally um, agree with you. I have clients who like book out for the year and I know that like this year I've seen all the hate about that or like, Oh, like I don't let my clients book out more than this time. Well, I travel. I already know my travels. If I have to move someone in November and it's, you know, May, my clients understand. So it's the way that my business works. Um, and I tell them like, Hey, if life happens and like, I know we're making your next appointment for five months from now, but if life happens and you have to move it, let me know as soon as possible. We do have a 48, mine is a 48 hour cancellation notice. And I tell them just like that. Hey, if life happens, I get it. It's six, it's five months from now. You don't know exactly what you're doing, but if you do have to move it, I need to know this far in advance, which also brings you to the clients who don't reschedule when they're like, Oh, when you're like, okay, would you like me to set you up for your three month maintenance? And they're like, no, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Let me know at least two months ahead of time. Like you have a month to think about it. I usually book out two months in advance. Let me know a month ahead of time. Yeah. And, or like two months ahead of time. Call me in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> or you're <Yeah>. screwed. <laughs> Call me tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you're crying because you can't get it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> well, and, and I will say this too, though, you know, um, when you adjust your schedule or when you do things different in your business, sometimes you have to adjust the way that you do things. So I'm having this issue now because I was always a full-time behind the chair and now I work one day a week. So now it's almost to the point, especially with everything going on where I'm getting more cancellations the week of, I was, I never used to get cancellations. I mean, I was booked out so far that like nobody would dare cancel, you know, where now it's like, there's gaps and people are like, Oh, I'll just can't, you know? And it's like, now I'm, I'm, it's like, okay, I was always a booked out. Like I, everyone had to have at least their next two appointments. And now it's almost like, Hmm, to the people who always cancel, do I want to like, Hey, actually don't pre-book 
and just check my schedule because it's almost would be easy. And the people who too pre-book and always show up, I'll still let them pre-book, you know? And it's, so it's okay too, if you're listening, like if you switch up your business, it's okay to switch up how you do things. Now, granted, it does take a while for your clients to get used to that. <laughs> um, but you know, as you change, things are going to have to change as well. Yeah. You know, um, cause it's definitely, I don't know. It's an, it's interesting. It's an, everything is interesting right now. <laughs> well, in, in our business, like you can say hairdressers as like a blanket statement, like, oh, I'm a hairdresser. But like, I feel like hairdressers, we have like our own little subcategories. So like you are, you work one day a week, you specialize in what you specialize in and that's how it is. I work four days a week. I have a variety of different special, like specializations. Like I have clients who I have like a couple redheads. I have mostly blondes. I have just haircut only clients. So I have like a little more variety than someone who's just like a balayage specialist. So my business needs to be run differently. That's like saying that like you, like I'm, um, you know, I'm a food hall and I host like all these other like different restaurants and you are, you know, a, a single small, a food truck, a food truck. Yeah. You're a food (laughs) truck. You have like, yeah, exactly. You're a food truck and I'm a food hall. Yeah. (laughs) I, I can't charge people or like manage my business the same way that you would. Right. So it's like, there, there there's so many, like you can hear all these different advice, but like, you got to also check in with like, what kind of business am I? What, what do I serve? What do my clients need? And how am I going to do this? Like me booking out for the rest of the year, that gives my clients like peace of mind. They, but your clients booking them out for the rest of the year, that, that probably is like stressful. It doesn't work out in your, in your situation. Um, Also, like I set up my business where I have a client communication manager because I can't do that in my business. I can't communicate with my clients. I can't manage their schedule. I can't manage my schedule. I needed someone else in my business in order to like provide that. So then my pricing has to be adjusted to pay that person to offer that type of service. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, you have, yeah, you have to figure out, I mean, I know some people um, that they do just big projects all the time. They only take two clients a day and they can only come in at nine o'clock and one o'clock on those days. And that's it. Like you, you can't say, well, can I come in at two? They do not work that way. You either come at nine or one. There's no other option. And it's like that, that works great for them. Yeah. You know, I've tried that and that does not work well for me. Like I was like, I want one person at this time, one person at this time. And like, yeah, that wouldn't work for me either, but, but it works great for her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I know people who are like that. They are, they see like two or three clients a day. They have a nine, a 11 and a one or something like that. They have three assistants who that's fine. Yeah. So it's a matter of like knowing what works for your type of business. Um, and having like your pricing according to that. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you want to tie this back around into uh, relationships or do we go too far? <laughs> no, we can tie this back around. Um, what I have found with the relationships part is just like we said earlier, it's, it's a communication. You need to like be able to communicate with your like spouse or whatever, like what they need, what you need. Um, I have found that in seasons that I know that Josh is going to be more busy and I'm kind of more in like a flowing state. Like I was in a very flowing state 
right before the holidays, like October, November, I was like super flowy, but Josh was in like a really busy season. So I stepped up at home more. Like I was like, all right, I'm going to make sure that I am doing the, the dish, the dishes when I get home, I'm cleaning up a little bit more. But then when the tables turned, like, and I was in my busy season, it went back to like Josh doing more things at home. So that communication, that even like unsaid communication, it's not like he was like, Shelby, you need to step up more at home. I was just like, you know, aware of my relationship and what it needs. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do y'all have a conversation about that ahead of time? Or is it just kind of like somebody can tell? I feel like for me, it was the first time, like Josh normally does everything in the house, like everything. Um, (laughs) he's great. So he does the laundry, he does the dishes, he does all the things. And I'm normally very feminine when I come home and I'm just like, I don't want to do anything because I did it all at work. Um, it was something that I noticed that we started getting like, like things weren't getting done. And I was getting frustrated that things weren't getting done because I was used to my life being a certain way. And I had to reflect on my own self and be like, well, why isn't it getting, getting done? what could I be doing that's different? Like if I want him to step up at home, I need to step up at home. Mm -hmm. Like I need to be the thing I want in my relationship in order for that to like come back to me. And that's exactly how it happened. I started stepping up. He's, he like was like, Hey, like, thank you so much for like doing these things. It, it goes notice. He admits that like, he doesn't have the time to start doing that. Then there's, I got my, point across. He wasn't doing the things. He told me he wasn't doing it. He felt bad about it, but it's still getting done. And I feel good about it because I could help him. Also his love language is doing things together. Mm, Yeah. So he likes, he likes time. Yeah. He likes quality time. He likes doing things together. He, he's very like 50, 50 with everything. Like, Oh, if I do this, I want you to do it too. Like, and that's just his love language. Is it is what it is. Where mine is like words of affirmation. Just tell me I'm so pretty. And that's, yeah, that's great. me too. <laughs> I know. Just, just if I do cook, then my husband cooks dinner. Like he's the cooker and you know the cooker, whatever you can say, the chef in the house. And if I cook dinner one time, like you better tell me it is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, or I'm not doing it again for another six months. <laughs> Yeah. Like tell me I'm like wifey status to like the max, which is, you know, um, this goes like into hair too. It's like, figure out why you like doing hair and what your love language is. And like, how can you get more of that? Like I had, um, I had a a call with Laura or uh, Simmons and she was like, I want you to redefine your why and why you want to be a coach. And I was like, why? Like, what do you mean? She's like, you need to like, know why you want to be a coach. Like what, what is it that like lights you up about being a coach? And I was like, well, my love language is words of affirmation. And what I get the most at the salon is you're the best. I love you. I love getting my hair done by you. And I was like, I want that in coaching. And my love language is to give. So I like giving, like I, I give to show love. So in my coaching, how can I give, how can I like show love in that way to receive the words of affirmation. Yes. So it was like, it was redefining my why I'm, why I'm doing this. What am I doing this for? What am I trying to get out of this? And how can I find the joy or find the happiness in do like in this different pathway in my, 
Cause like, this is a whole different career is coaching. It's, it's not like, Oh, I'm a hairdresser and now I'm doing color. It's like, no, no, no. I'm a hairdresser in one point in my career. I'm a salon owner in another point in my career. And now my third job is a coach. Why do I want to be a coach? What do I get out of the other two things that I want in this? Yeah, it is totally different. I've <laughs> surprised if anyone's thinking about doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprise, you're not really a hairdresser. Plot twist. <laughs> yeah. It's not the same. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna like cut hair and do color and do fantasy. It no, it's not an and it's a completely different thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, no, it's it's I mean, I feel like all of these conversations kind of come down to like what you value, right? Like communication, what you value, why you value what you value. You know, I mean, even back to money, you know, why do you value money? What do you want that money to do for you? You know, are you scared of the money? Because that's another thing people don't think about. You know, what happens if you do, you know, learn how to manage money and you have a bunch of it? How does that feel? Because sometimes that is a lot of pressure on somebody, you know? So I think figuring out what you value in your relationship in your business when it comes to money and really being aware of it. And I would challenge anyone to kind of, you know, back to the significant other, sit down with your significant other and like, talk about your money stories, you know, talk about what you saw growing up and what you didn't see growing up and see if you can see why your significant other does what they do when it comes to money. Mm. You know, I mean, my husband saw, you know, a, a scarcity thing his whole life. So he's still, even though he's making amazing money, like he's still amazed that he's making it one, like, I still don't think he believes it Two, He thinks somebody's going to come and take it all away, mm. you know? And it's like, it's, it makes me understand why he does what he does more often. Like he don't buy himself shit. He will walk around with holy shirts being like, I need to buy shirts for a year. <laughs> like, you know, like, buy a shirt, <laughs> like, it's, you know, but like, so I think that um, kind of being aware of what you value, why you value it, you know, what in your life made you perceive things the way that you do and then go from there and having the conversation with your significant other or your coworkers. Like we, I mean, we, this can go into the salon, you know, just as much like, um, I don't know. It's, it, it's not an easy conversation all the time, but it's an important one. <laughs> I love this conversation. And I love having this conversation with you because it's like, it's not boring. You're like, you're not talking about the spreadsheets. You're not, I mean, those things come with it, but what I find more valuable is like the, why do you want this money? What, it, what about it scares you? And like the normalization, <laughs> it being more normal that, it is a, a weird topic, but it's so important and not enough people talk about it. I agree. And it's so interesting um, because it's, you know, the spreadsheets and that kind of shit, that's the easy part, honestly. Yeah. The budgets are easy. That's easy. It, it's, I cannot even tell you how easy the actual action is. It's the mental part of it. That's the hard part. And it's really taking a look at things um, and figuring, figuring out what you want is difficult. 
Mm. You know, I think people think that's easy, but it's really not, you know, you could say all day, well, you know, I want a pool. That's like my new thing. Like it's not new, but, but why do I want the pool? Because I love being around people that I love and I love being around people that make me smile. And I love being outside in the summer. And I want a place to create the thing that I love at, in my home. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about the pool. I mean, I do love a tan, but, (laughs) you know, so, and I think that, you know, a lot of, well, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. Why? Why? What are you going to do with it? You know, like the, the thing Elizabeth has, has had us do in high powered, sit down and figure out how much money do you actually need to live the life that you want? Because it's usually not as much as you think. No, you know, so it's like, okay, you want a hundred thousand dollars for what reason? you know, what, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. You know? Um, so it's just, it's about so much more than, than the actual money. Cause again, money is just a piece of paper. It's, it's not even a piece of paper. It's yeah. like a, a made up thing. Like, Oh, nowadays, well, nowadays I'm thinking like crypto and stuff. It's yeah. literally nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you think about even your bank statement, like yeah. you, if you went to your bank right now and you cleared it out, you'd have to get approvals, all this kind of stuff. Your money is not in the bank. Yeah. There's a, a, like a number that you have in that bank, but it's not an actual like drawer of like, you know, Shelby Betancourt and here's all the money that she has. Right. I'm imagining like, um, like Looney Tunes, the big, uh, and with the big, um, safe, like walking yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's like a file and then there's all your like $1 bills just in your file. (laughs) It's so so true. And you know, when I start, when I work with my one-on-one clients, um, they always end like when I ask that, you know, they fill out a little testimonial thing. Um, and they always say how easy it was, Mm. you know, because I mean, the conversations are these kind of conversations. Why do you want this? What do you, what do you do with it? What do you, why do you think like that? You know, um, and then once they get on their own to do the actions themselves, that part's easy. Yeah. You know, but I will say everyone cries always. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I've had anyone not cry yet. <laughs> and not in a bad way, like a needed, yeah. you know, but, but it, cause it's emotional. We put a lot of emotion around money, you know, and that can affect our relationships in so many different aspects, you know, not just our significant others, but our family, you know, our friends, ourselves, ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ourselves more than anything. And I think that that's what we forget. Mm. You know, I know when I was getting my financial shit together, I realized that the reason I never even attempted to manage my money is because I just assumed that because of the way that I grew up and what I saw with money and how I managed money, that that was my destiny. That's just, I, I'm not a type of person to be good with money. I'm not a type of person to live in that neighborhood. I'm not a type of person to have this thing. And I never knew that I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, and when you have that realization that no, you can be that person, um, it's like kind of mind blowing. And then, then you start going, what other kind of person can I be? Mm, Yeah. Opens the doors to so many things. Yeah. I think that the common thing is like have communication with like your, so whether this is about your spouse, yourself, like figure out why these things are coming up, figure out what you need, what your spouse needs. Um, and just getting more clear about what it all means to you and what it's all worth. Have your boundaries set in place. 
this was an awesome topic. I love this topic. And yeah, I love me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I could keep going, but people will stop listening. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Well, Misty, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so amazing. Thank you for having me as always. You're welcome. And where can everyone find you? Oh, you can find me on Instagram at underscore Misty Jane, J-A-Y-N-E with a Y, um, underscore. I also have a podcast where we talk about everything, not just money. Um, you can find Shelby on there as well. Um, and that is Backroom Beauty Talks, the podcast. Uh, and then you can find, um, I have a free training um, with three ways you can get your financial shit together. And you can find that at www.mistyjane.com. And I think that's it. I will link all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much. As always, you are what you think you are. Aspire to inspire. And we'll catch you next time. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. If you like what you hear, screenshot this episode, post it on the gram, tag me at Misty Jane or tag the podcast at Backroom Beauty Talks. And I will talk with you on the next one.